right, if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4 in the Word of God tonight. And I appreciate that testimonial song of the woman at the well. That's exactly the passage I'm preaching from uh, tonight. Really preaching the whole New Testament, but I'll try to do it in 30 minutes, okay? Uh, John chapter 4. The greatest soul winner that ever walked this earth was Jesus Christ. 27 people are recorded in the gospel that he personally won to the Lord. Nicodemus, uh, on and on. Um, and uh, we ought to have a burden for souls. And I think sometimes in times like these, we forget. And uh, we, am I turning Yep. We forget and we uh, get wrapped up in a lot of other things. But, you know, we ought to keep the main thing the main thing. And that's souls to be saved. That's the only reason we run buses. That's the only reason that we... Uh, have master club. It's the only reason we have Sunday school, and and uh, it's the only reason we have a choir. All these things we're not having right now, but we're going to have soon. And uh, it's, it's the only reason we preach is to see God get glory, but also souls to be saved. And I appreciate how our Lord had a compassion for one more soul. And that's why He died, and that's why He came to this earth. So John chapter four, if you'll stand on the Word of God, just want to read a couple of verses, and I'll come back to these verses. Uh, uh, quickly, and uh, we'll see uh, what the Lord has for us tonight. I was challenged this morning, and the message was me more than it was anyone, uh, that I need to stay in my lane, and I need to stay faithful, because sometimes discouragement will get you sidetracked, yeah. amen, and it'll get you uh, uh, wobbling all over the track when you ought to be going straight down the line towards souls, and and that's what we're here for. The Bible says, in verse um, 3, um, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. In John chapter 4, verse 4, it says, He must needs go through Samaria. And then coming to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob, it's a good name, isn't it, brother? Gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, therefore, being weary with his journey, Set thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the, the city to buy meat. And then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest to drink me, which am a woman of Samaria? They were half breeds, and nobody associated with them, especially Jews. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, Thou knowest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, Give me a drink. Uh, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee the living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep from whence thou hast thou th this living water. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well? and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I give unto him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. And to make a wonderful story short, she got saved and she went and uh, got all the men of the city and brought them back. And Jesus said in verse 34 unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish 
his work. Say not, therefore, are you yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they're white already to harvest. Let's pray. You may be seated. Father, thank you for this soul winning account of our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we know that you came to seek and to save those who were lost, and the only reason you went to Calvary and died for our sins was to save our unworthy souls. And God, we thank you for the day that we met you. And today we receive living water that satisfies not only the thirst physically, but Lord, the thirst emotionally and most important of all, spiritually. God, thank you for the living water. Thank you, God, for the living word. And thank you, God, for the gospel that somebody brought to me as a, as a little junior boy and taught me the, how to get saved. And Lord, I thank you that I was saved at a very early age. And so, Lord, please give us a burden for souls. Help us to win the lost at any cost. And we'll praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to know that the Lord went out of his way to a place called Samaria. I mean, that was a, that was a town, part of the town or a town where nobody went, especially Jews, and nobody spoke to especially women. And then Samaritan women's, it was out of the question. And here he is talking to her, breaking the ice, having a good conversation, and then turns it in from a physical illustration to a spiritual illustration and says, hey, drink of the living water. She did, and she got saved. She went back to the town, and she brought a bunch of men uh, to back to, to Jesus, and uh, the disciples were concerned about him because he hadn't eaten in a while, and he said, my meat is to do the will of God, and uh, lift up your eyes. And he probably was looking at all those men coming with that lady that just got saved. I said, there's the harvest. We need to get busy, and we need to win souls. And I want to say this, friend. We need to be a soul-winning church. We need to be soul-winning Christians. We need to be witnesses. We need to have our, our tracks uh, in our pockets, more important than our cell phone. We ought to have a New Testament. And wherever we go, we ought to look for divine appointments that God sets up. And I believe with all my heart, in these last days and in these uh, tumultuous days of uncertainty, there's a lot of people who are searching and they're looking for an answer for peace, uh, for purpose, for power over fear and, and uh, envy and strife and, and uh, sin, and they just, they just need the Lord. You know, it's a big deal recently about the bars opening up for mental health and for, uh, uh, for the help of these people that are so in need of to get drunk and forget all their problems. Folks, I wanna tell you something. What's essential is the gospel and the salvation that comes to us. And folks, we need to tell the world that liquor's not the answer, sin's not the answer, uh, politics are not the answer. Uh, folks, the only answer is the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you believe that with all your heart, you'll be stirred. But I wanna give you just three things real quick, and then I'll close with 11. But I want you to see, and I'll, I'll try to be brief. I want you to see that Jesus began his ministry soul winning. Back in Matthew chapter three, and I just want you to glance at these verses. We won't have time to read them all. But the baptism was a witness. Uh, he didn't have to get baptized because he got saved. He never got saved. He was the savior. But he, the Bible says that in verse uh, 13, it says, and then cometh Jesus into Galilee, Matthew three, <clears throat> to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. And, but John uh, forbade saying, I, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answered and said to him, Suffer it be so 
for thus it becometh to fulfill the righteousness which he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lightning upon his head, him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. I want to tell you something, that baptism service was a threefold witness. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit saying, hey, listen, he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the lie. And so the first baptism was a witnessing experience. Then he immediately started an intensive soul-winning ministry. Turn to the next chapter, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee, 418, Matthew. Saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. Now, folks, I believe this is saying that if you're following him, you're fishing. If you're following him, you're reaching. If you're following him, you need to realize that God can use you as a vessel to reach souls for eternity. What a privilege. Uh, fishermen were poor, unlearned, hardworking, but they were accustomed to hardships and storms and hazards, and they didn't give up easy. And, uh, but fishermen were not, these fishermen were not idle, and they were not soft. I'm going to tell you something. They made great soul winners, and they went after soul winning. You know, when I don't catch fish, I quit. My father-in-law, Pappy, he would fish all day long and all night just for the enjoyment of it. I don't enjoy fishing unless I catch something. Amen? I'm ready to go in about 35 minutes if they're not biting. That's just the way I am, amen? But I want to tell you something, friend. We ought to fish and realize that never, never is the gospel um, shared in vain. It will return. And folks, uh, we see in John chapter 3 uh, another example, and we'll get back to our text, but in John chapter 3, the religious man Nicodemus and Jesus comes to him and witnesses him and says, you must be born not just of the flesh, but of the spirit. There's so many fleshly attitudes today and people putting up fleshly uh, solutions to life. And Jesus is the answer. We must be born of the spirit. It's a miracle when somebody gets saved. A miracle. I'm praying for many of those juniors to get saved and those little girls and little boys this, week, this year. And it's a miracle when they get saved. Amen? Connie and I were visiting on the front porch a couple of weeks ago, and this little girl uh, came, came out just so excited to see Miss Connie, her teacher, and was saying, and y'all were at her house at, at 2 o'clock today, and uh, she was so excited about uh, being able to come back to church, and the devil had tried to defeat her and discourage her and knock her down. Uh, uh, her daddy's in prison. Her mother's not on the scene. And folks, I want to tell you something. That's the only hope that little girl's got. And she said something that really touched my heart. She said, I wasn't upset when they delayed school, but I sure was upset when I couldn't come back to church. And I just almost fell off, off my rocking chair on the front porch. It's this little girl, this sweet little girl. Her name's Natalie, I think it is. She, and, and, and she looks Hispanic, but I don't think she is. I don't know, but I don't know what, but she's precious and she's saved and she depends upon this church to give her some solace of, of acceptance and love. And folks, it all started the day she got saved. And folks, God loves that little girl more than uh, just as much as he loves any of you. There ain't no big shots. And the, and, the, and the level of the ground at the foot of the cross is level, amen? And black and white, red, yellow, 
poor, rich, it don't matter if you live in the quarters or you live in a mansion, people need the Lord, amen? When are they gonna learn that? I was with somebody this week and I said, I'm gonna tell you something. You'll never be happy until you put the Lord first and you let God lead you in your relationships. And you know something? He didn't have any rebuttal. He didn't have any comeback because he knew it was the truth. And folks, you know it's the truth. The only answer for marriage is the Lord Jesus Christ. The only answer to raise children, you got this little baby in the right place, amen? And it's a unique name, Pearson. I wonder if I could name a baby Cofield, amen? But anyway, that wouldn't work, that just wouldn't work. But you know, that's the right place to be, having babies grow up in the house of God, amen? From the nursery to the bus ministry, or from the nursery to teaching, hey, from the nursery to preaching, Hey, here's something that'll scare you. From a nursery to go to around the world as a missionary. Yes. You'd take him out of the nursery real quick, wouldn't you? But anyway, I'm just saying Nicodemus uh, was a religious man, but he's lost. And then the woman at the well. Nobody wanted anything to do with this woman. Uh, she was a harlot. Uh, she'd had five relationships, and none of them were her husband. The Lord's revealed. And he knew that uh, she was talking to God when she started, he started knowing all about her. Now, I want to tell you something. When you take the light of the Word of God and He convicts a person they're a sinner, business picks up. Now, you can't convict. You're not the judge and jury. You're the witness. Amen. We're not the prosecuting attorney. Say amen. So how you say, I'm going to make this person. You can't make anybody do anything. But you can plant the light and you can let that light shine on them and they realize they're a sinner and they realize they're going to hell and they realize they're lost. And I really believe this, friend, there will not be conviction until there's the word of God planted in their heart. Amen. Amen. It's the glorious light of the gospel. And it's conviction. The Holy Spirit takes the sword of the spirit, the word, and brings light that a person's a sinner. And folks, we need to get them lost before we can get them saved. But we can't get them lost. The Holy Spirit gets them lost. Conviction. Conviction. And then there was a total of 27 people won to Christ personally as recorded in the gospel. So number one, Jesus began, he began his soul winning ministry. Uh, he began his ministry soul winning. He came to seek and to save those lost. Then number two, Jesus continued his ministry teaching soul winning. Jesus taught that the sign of spiritual maturity was fruit bearing. Turn to John chapter 15. We're going right through the New Testament. John 15 verse eight. The Bible says this. I appreciate y'all being here tonight. You're such an encouragement to my soul. It says, and all the ones that's listening by way of internet, you're encouraging my soul. I can't see you, but I know you're there. Look at verse eight. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Folks, bearing fruit brings glory to God. I know that's the fruit of holiness. I know that's the fruit of good works. I know it's the fruit of giving. I know it's the fruit of praise, but there's one other fruit. That's another Christian. And folks, I want to see people saved. I want my life to count in such a way that others get saved. That's why I usually preach the gospel at weddings and funerals and especially in jail because they need the Lord, Brother Jeremy. They need the Lord in the jail. They need the gospel preached to them. And I miss going to the YDC. I haven't been there in six months. It breaks my heart, breaks my heart that I can't go into the jail. But I want to tell you something, friend. In chapter 15, verse 16, the Bible says this. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain. And whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you 
that you love one another. Folks, I believe the sign that you love someone is you care where they go when they die. Do you really care? Does it, does it disturb you that people are going to hell? Does it disturb you uh, that um, we can see people perish and go into eternity and not know their destiny? And, and it's, it's so sad. But folks, the Bible says in this same verse, abide in me and, or ch same chapter of verse four, abide in me, I and you, and the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No man can... Uh, can, uh, can ye accept you abide in me? I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, I and him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. So we need the spirit fullness. And I believe the spirit fullness is evidenced by witness. You can't help yourself. So Jesus taught that sign of spiritual maturity was fruit bearing, soul winning. Then Jesus emphasized the need of those who were lost and the importance of being found. In Luke chapter 15, he gave three illustrations of something that was lost. And the shepherd went and got the lost sheep and the lost coin, and then the, and then the uh, prodigal son. And folks, he's emphasizing it's a terrible state to be lost. Boys and girls and men and ladies without Jesus are lost. They're lost. They're going to hell. They have no power, no peace. And then Jesus taught on hell, thus giving us one of the greatest motivations for souls in Luke chapter 16. Folks, there is a hell. If there wasn't a hell, there's no Bible. If there's not, if not hell, this is all a heresy because Jesus preached on it 13 times. <clears throat> in the Bible, 83 times hell is referred to. That's a great portion of the scripture. And so folks, Jesus taught. It's one thing to fear man, but you ought to fear God and fear your soul dying and going to hell. And then third of all, Jesus ended his earthly ministry. Think about this, soul winning, soul winning. In his dying moment, what was he doing? He was winning a soul. Luke chapter 23, Luke chapter 23. So he began his ministry, he continued his ministry, and then on the cross... He portrays why he was on the cross. He's, he's dying for your sins. He's dying in your place. But he looks at the thief, the thief that's open, the thief that's honest, the thief that's respectful, the thief that um, knows that he's lost. And uh, we see that the Lord is, is um, uh, looks at this malefactor, this thief, verse 39, Luke 23, which hang railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answered, rebuked him, saying, Doth not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? Somehow, some way, he got under Holy Ghost conviction on that cross. Maybe it was the miracle of the, of the sun not shining in the middle of the day. Maybe it was the rending of the temple and the earthquake that took place. Maybe it was the forgiveness of God as he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do back in verse 32. The folks, he was under conviction and it says, we indeed justly for we receive the due rewards of our deeds, but this man has done nothing amiss. And he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest in thy kingdom. In verse 43, and Jesus said to him, verily I say unto thee, today shall thou be with me in paradise. Oh, what a blessing. Folks, there's no soul sleep. There's no purgatory. 
He said, today will you be with me in paradise. Why? Because he put his faith and trust in the middle cross, but not just the middle cross, but the Lamb of God that was dying for his sins. So in his last moment, in his dying breath, he's winning somebody to the Lord. Wouldn't it be great that if you were dying, not that it's great that you're dying, but you was, uh, the, uh, when you were on your last breath, that you was looking at a nurse trying to win her to the Lord, you was looking at the doctor trying to win the Lord, or maybe you had a lost loved one come in and visit you. And folks, I, I believe that's good, but I want to tell you something. You ought to go now while you have the energy, while you have the strength, while you have the wisdom, while you have a voice, and cry out, please be saved. And Jesus' great commission to win souls for, for all time and to all peoples found in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. And so his last words, what was it about? You know, I rushed down to Decatur to hear my, my daddy's last words. I wanted to hear my daddy's last words. I'd been with him all week, and I came home to preach at the storefront. Didn't have an assistant pastor at that time. Jason was only eight months old, so he couldn't handle it uh, that early. And um, I didn't know who I was going to get. And I remember I rushed down to the hospital, and my brother-in-law waved. And my daddy had passed. I went in that room, and the sheet was over his, his head, and he was not breathing. He was in glory. And I said, tell me about it. And my daddy had the, uh, some precious black nurses line up against the wall and sing Amazing Grace to him. And then he asked this. He said, would you read me the 23rd Psalm? And they read him the 23rd Psalm. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. That's a good way to die. That's a good way to die compared to what I thought he was going to die in a drunken stupor. I thought he was going to die in a head-on collision. I thought he might die in prison. I thought he might die because many times he'd get up and he'd fall and blood would be everywhere where he'd fall, a terrible fall in the middle of the night. I remember it as a child, uh, crushing his head on the side of the, of the sink and a little soap dispenser, those little ceramic things he used to have. He'd knock it off with his head. and I just, I just thought he was going to die that way. It had been such a shameful death, drunk. But he died praising God. And he died... Here an amazing grace, how sweet to say. I didn't, I didn't get to be there, but they rehearsed it to me. And I want to tell you something, friend. I hope and pray that we'll take our Lord's last words to heart. His last words, his last words should be our first concern. His last command should be our first concern. That was a theme for one of our missions revivals several years back. I hope you remember it. This year is my heart's my desire. We're going to learn the new song is that the whole world may worship him. My heart, my desire. They sing that so much in Peru, I got tired of it. But it's such a wonderful song. Never had that as a theme. But folks, his heart and his desire should be our heart and our desire. So he's closing out his ministry in Matthew 28 and verse 19. And he says this to the disciples. Now, this is uh, not his last words. His last words recorded in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, it's his first words after the resurrection, praise God. And it's really wonderful what he said. We call it the Great Commission. That sounds a little cold, but I'll tell you what, it is a great commission. It's a great calling. He said, go, he said, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, verse 18, 
All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. That means he has authority. He's truth. Look at verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded that you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. Folks, what a great commission. Then turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, his very last words before the ascension. His very last words on this earth. Now that's important. I wanted to hear Daddy's last words. I think it's important to hear those last words. Amen. And I remember the last words he told me before I, when I left on that Thursday before that he loved me. He was so glad he was saved. <laughs> that, that'll keep you going. I'll tell you that right now. Thank God. Thank God for salvation. Thank God we don't have to mourn and weep over those that went to hell. But we can rejoice over those that went to heaven and what a glad reunion it's going to be. I should have marked this. I'm getting too emotional. I can't see the page. But here it is. Acts chapter 1. And I don't apologize for being emotional. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. The Bible says, but ye shall receive power. Last words now. Last words. Before he ascends. He's about to, he's about to ascend. And ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. He said, I must go up so the Holy Ghost can come down and fill you. Ye shall be what? Witnesses. Unto me where? Both in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they were beheld him, he was taken up, <laughs> and a cloud received him out of the sight. So he started his ministry soul winning. He continued his ministry soul winning. He even soul winning on the cross. And then right before he sins, he says, go, be filled, be baptized in the Holy Ghost, but be a witness as you're filled. You will be a witness. That'll be your natural overflow of the Holy Spirit into the whole world. But start at home. But start at home. And so, folks, I want you to know Jesus was a soul winner. He was the greatest soul winner that ever walked this earth. And you know, friend, if we're going to be like Jesus, we need to be so conscious. We need to have a, a heart for souls. Let me just give you real quick, and I wrote these down for you so you can jot them down later. The reasons we ought to reach the world. Number one, sinners are perishing. Sinners are perishing. The Bible says that we're condemned already. In John chapter 3, verse 36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Folks, Sinners are perishing. They're perishing. I'm concerned about people dying around here. I'm concerned about people that are sick around here. But I want to tell you something. I'm more concerned when they take their last breath, are they going to be in hell or heaven? They're perishing. The Bible says in Mark 16, 16, that they're condemned already. Mark 3, 18, says he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Then number two, Love is constraining us. Number one, sinners are perishing. And I, 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 there's no doubt about it, the devil don't want this up there. So just listen, please. Uh, sinners are perishing. Number two, love is constraining us. Second Corinthians 5, 14. The Bible says we're constrained by his love. Amen? Yeah. Folks, listen, we need to get a burden for souls like Philip 
uh, got a burden. And Andrew, and the Samaritan woman, got such a burden, she went to all her clientele and said, hey, listen, uh, come hear a man that knows, knew all about me and about you. And I just got born again, boys, come on. And men, they all followed her out of curiosity. And they probably all got saved, amen? God is constraining us. Sinners are perishing. And then God is commanding us. Mark 16, 15. Mark 16, 15. The Bible says this. I want you to look at this. Mark 16, 15. Real quick. It says, And he said to them, Go ye in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Folks, they're damned. They're, they're condemned without Jesus. And then, not only is sinners perishing, love is constraining us, and God is commanding us, but our position is urging us. Our position is urging us. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, the Bible calls us ambassadors. You know what an ambassador is? It represents a king from another country and represents another country. We are called to be ambassadors. We're called to represent God. And it's a calling, a high calling. We're representatives. We're witnesses. We're under obligation to represent him. And then number five, our responsibility is pressing us. Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 1, verse 14, that I'm a debtor. I'm a debtor. And folks, we're in debt to Jesus Christ. And we need to pay the debt. And that means we need to be witnesses. And so our responsibility is pressing us. And then sixthly, the field is calling us. In John chapter 4, our text, verse 35, he, he looked up at the harvest. And he said, it's white already into harvest. That means it's about to rot. We need to hurry. It's urgent. Souls are dying. They might be dead tomorrow. We need to witness. We need to send a card. We need to send a track. We need to make a phone call. We need to make a visit. I know it's hard to do that in these days. I had a burden for the last week, and I'm going to try to fulfill that burden next week. I want to go witness to the guy that was shot three times down in the Carbondale area. I figure he's ready to get saved. Amen. Amen. I'd be ready to get saved. He wouldn't have to, it wouldn't take much. Praise God. I'd say, hey, show me the way. God spared my life. Amen. I want to find out if he's saved. He might be more saved than I am. I know he's a good shot, but I don't know if he's saved. Amen. <laughs> Praise God, folks. Listen, the field's calling us. There's souls everywhere. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 9. Hope I'm not being too long because the clock's gone out, so I don't know what time it is. Amen. Okay, I'll go on. Thank you, Miss Jackie. Appreciate the encouragement. Uh, if this message go too long, blame her. But look at this. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, real quick. I love these verses. Verse uh, 37, 38. Matthew 9, 37, 38. The Bible says this. Verse 36. And when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them. I want to ask you a question. What moves you? Your favorite team blowing a 30-point lead? Does that move you? That moves you in anger. Come on. Never forget that time we was watching the Super Bowl over at Brother Alex's house. I'll never do that again, brother. We, we started calling up people, congratulating everybody that the Falcons won the Super Bowl. And then they blew it. I mean, they just totally blew it. And I had to go eat crow and call everybody back and said, sorry. I was prideful at halftime. <laughs> now I'm humble at the end. Does that upset you? Well, it does for a little while. Does losing money upset you? Losing a good deal upset you? 
paying extra 99 cents on the, on the tab because they put a loaded baked potato on your bill? Did that upset you? When you could have settled for french fries? What upsets you? What burdens you? What moves you to tears? Old Yellow, Dying on the Prairie, or whatever those movies are? Come on, you know, you know that is. Hallmark Channel, I can tell you the end of every story. He's moving, but he decides not to move, and he's coming back. Praise God. They kiss, and it's all right. Amen. I just ruined every show for every Hallmark fan. I'm getting in trouble now. Little eyes are looking up at me. But listen, folks, our responsibility is pressing us, and the field's calling us. Look at it. But he saw the multitude was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. The lost have no shepherd. The lost have no direction. The lost have no shepherd. I mean, it is terrible what people go through in the name of flesh and lust and their will and their decisions without prayer and without God's guidance. And folks, it's, one, it's just one wasted day then week, and then months, and then years, and then life because they're not putting God first. And you can go ahead and do it all you want to, but I want to tell you something. He's the door, and it's crazy to bang your head up against the wall of flesh and sin in the world over and over again. It's never going to work out without Jesus. You'll never have peace. You'll never have purpose. You'll never have the love of God flowing through your life to make you, make you a difference, to make a difference. It says, he says, and he said to the disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. And here's his prayer request. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors unto his harvest. Amen. I want to be the answer to Jesus' prayer. He said, to be a laborer in his harvest. He didn't say a celebrity in his church. He said a laborer in his harvest. It's hard work. It's embarrassing. You can get your feelings hurt. But you probably won't have to give your life like a lot of people have overseas to represent our Lord. The field's calling us. Jesus has chosen us. Well, I read that in John 15, 16. He, he said, I've chosen you ordained you to bear forth much fruit. Then our salvation experience is compelling us. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, number eight, our salvation experience is compelling us. And folks, listen, he saved you for a purpose, and that purpose was God's glory, not for a free ticket to heaven. If he did, it would killed you and you went on to heaven and wouldn't have to worry about anything, amen? But he left you here. He left you here to be his vessel. He left you here to be his voice. He left you here to be his light. He left you here to be his vessel, full of the Holy Spirit, delivering the message to a lost and dying world. Our salvation experience is calling us. Andrew got so happy he got saved, he went and found Peter. Philip had to go tell his brother. Samaritan woman had to tell the whole city. And Paul couldn't be silent. And then number nine, I only got 11, so you're, we're, we're going home. The nature of the gospel is requiring us. I want you to turn to a powerful verse. They're all powerful, but turn to Romans 1.16. Y'all all know it by heart. 
but I want you to see it. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Paul said this, by experience, I'm full of the Holy Spirit, he said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. What's the gospel? Well, you find it in 1 Corinthians 15. It's the death, burial, and resurrection. The word literally means good news. Why would anybody keep good news to themselves? What are we telling everybody about the good news? What have tracts all the time handing them out? And he said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believe it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone. Nature of the gospel, the good news, the death, burial, and resurrection, there's no greater message. There's no more, there's no more powerful message. There's no greater light than the glorious light of the gospel. There's no greater seed than the seed of the Word of God. Oh, folks, there's no greater warning than flee from the wrath to come. The gospel teaches us that we're sinners, Romans 3.23. Teaches us the ways of sin is death, Romans 6.23. And teaches that God commended his love towards us that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And teaches us that we'll believe on him. That God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in thy heart that God has raised him that thou shalt be saved. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the gospel story. And I'll get back to that in just a minute. Number nine, hell is requesting it. You know the story, Luke chapter 16. The man in hell is saying, hey, I got five brothers. I got five brothers. I don't want them to come to this awful place. I'm going to tell you something. You might not have a burden now, but when you go to hell, you'll have a burden. You'll have a burden saying, I wish I'd have been saved because I'm in this place of fire and torment, gnashing of teeth, weeping, eternal regret, darkness, Christlessness, nothing, nothing good, nothing wholesome in heaven or hell. And then Luke, Luke chapter 23, he starts praying in hell. It's too late to pray in hell. But he prays this. He said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou would have sent him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come to this place of torment. And Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. That shows you how to get saved. In verse 31 of Luke 16, And he said to him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded Though one rose from the dead, and let me just say this, some, someone did rise from the dead. His name is Jesus. And the greatest thing you can do is pray now, witness now, go now, because in eternity it'll be too late. Hell's requesting it. And last but not least, number 11, 10. Heaven is rejoicing over one soul being saved. What rings the bell in heaven? One more soul being saved. I don't know how it's going to be, but I know this. Luke chapter 15 says there's rejoicing in the presence of angels over one sinner. One sinner. One sinner repenting. Let me just say in closing, if that rings the bell in heaven, it ought to ring your bell on earth. If that brings rejoicing in heaven, it ought to bring rejoicing in our church. 
Sometimes we have some little girl come down, little boy gets saved, or somebody, some visitor walks out, and we just say, well, ho-hum, I'm glad it wasn't such a bad service. Praise God, he, he got saved. Oh, we ought to go home rejoicing. We ought to be weeping. We ought to thank God that he's spared from hell and going to heaven. Folks, we need to get excited about sharing the gospel. I got this letter. It said this, I just wanted to thank God with your people and for the per, for, for your with your people and for the person or people that laid this track down on the second floor of the entrance of the elevators at Hamilton Medical Hospital. Forgive the misspelled words. Anyway, it was about 10 p.m. this Sunday night when I found you your track on a waiting table top. I'm glad I picked it up and I read it. Seems to me that the Lord knew just what I, a person needs. And he's on time and always the time God and I praise the Lord for uh, the obedient servant that placed the good news there so I could get up one more time in my life when I really needed it and, could get, and couldn't get up any other way. I wanna, this track has helped me so much feel and to hear and to talk and to walk is much more than I did before. I need the good news. So you might want to pass it along over your congregation that when they don't, when they don't, don't pass it along over you, your congregation that when they don't know if they're doing anything or not, just tell them you're, you're right, you're not, but thanks be to God through someone uh, that God can work through anyone and I'm a lot better off today and I'm saved and I know where I'm going because I received that message in that little track. And folks, I thank God that you're a people that says that you are a caring church for a hurting world. I like that. Your friend, Farrell M. Cochran. I placed it back on the table so someone else could read it and be blessed. Thank you. You never know. You just never know. Folks, God help us. God help us to realize we've got the answer. His name is Jesus. And the gospel, the gospel is requiring us. We have the good news. We have the pardon. Let me just close with this thought. I got two minutes before seven, whatever that means. I wonder if we had the cure for COVID-19. I mean, we had something that God gave us. A little bottle of liquid or a pill, or maybe even a shot. I'd learn to go out and give shots if I knew I had that. But I want to tell you something. We do have the cure for the curse of sin. We do have the cure for people that are going to hell they're going to live eternally in hell. And that's the gospel. And it's the Holy Spirit abiding in us to give us wisdom, compassion, and power to share it. And so what would you think of a person that had the cure for all this virus, this deadly stuff that's going around, and they didn't share it, but they kept it to themselves? Or maybe they just shared it with their family or their immediate friends. Oh, friend, God has called us to take the cure of sin to every creature. With all our heart, we ought to be 
wanting to be like Jesus. And Jesus was a soul winner. Let's pray. Father, use this message. And thank you, dear God, for the burden that you placed on my heart to be a better soul winner. I'll never get the time my preacher, Brother Paul, told someone that I was the best soul winner he knew. And that humbled me. And that broke my heart. But God, I want to be the best soul winner that I possibly can be. Not for some accolades from another man, even though that meant a lot from my pastor. But God, I want to be a, a voice. I want to be a vessel. I want to be a hand that hands out a gospel tract. God, I want to be a heart that cares. God, I want to be your heart. I want to be your vessel. Oh, Lord, I want you to give us compassion that makes a difference. God, help us to keep the main thing the main thing and help us rejoice over what you rejoice over and help us to do what you did and help us, Lord, to be on this earth for the reason you is on this earth and that is to win souls and to see people saved. Lord, I thank you for your admonition. As the Father sent me, so send I you. And Lord, help us to be a fulfillment of that beautiful verse in John 20, 21. And God, help us to be like you, a soul winner. With every head bowed, every eye closed, this is my, this is my invitation to you tonight. How many of you would like to be a soul winner? How many of you would like to be a witness? How many of you, how many of you know somebody that's lost? You know somebody that's going to hell. You know someone that if they don't get saved, they're going to miss heaven. And you say, Preacher, I do know someone, and I want you to pray with me for them. Would you slip your hand up? I want you to follow up with that prayer request, and I want you to ask God to use you, to use you to influence their heart for the gospel's sake. Lord, thank you for this night. Thank you, dear God, for this message you laid on my heart. I wanted to preach it so bad Wednesday. But God, you told me to delay it because some of our best workers are in uh, is in Master Club and they probably have more opportunity to win souls than anyone with these little children, these teenagers. And I didn't want them to miss it. And I believe it's received. And I believe this was on time. And I know it was on time in my heart. Because, Lord, I sure get distracted a lot. Sometimes I get detoured. And sometimes, dear God, I lose courage. And I get shy, and I don't know why. And so, Lord, help us to be bold but compassionate soul winners in these last days. And, God, may we win our loved ones to the Lord. May we see Eddie saved this week if he's not saved. May we see our loved ones saved. May we see our workmates saved, our classmates, our neighbors. God, please help us, God, to be a witness to our families before it's too late. God, before it's too late. Lord, help us not to have to attend a funeral and wonder if they were saved. God, give us holy urgency about winning souls. Well, thank you, Jesus. Name.